Welcome to the Movers Mindset Podcast, where I interview movement enthusiasts to find out who they are, what they do, and why they do it. Today, Amos Rendowell reflects on what music means to him, flowing versus planning, and the benefits and importance of journaling. The conversation turns to the idea of success and what that means before moving to Aikido and information activism. Amos shares his insights on diet and nutrition, his journey with injuries and recovery, and how he manages self-talk. Hello, I'm Craig Constantine. What's up, Craig? Amos Rendau is a professional coach, athlete, entrepreneur, business manager, and co-founder of Apex School of Movement and Parkour EDU. He considers himself a movement scientist, and his experimentation and study of movement led him to create the Parkour Ukemi and Randori programs. Amos is an active member of both his local and national parkour communities and a board member of USPK. Welcome, Amos. Thanks. Glad to be here. It's glad to be here. I'm happy that you invited me out to Boulder, Colorado. It is gorgeous. It's true yeah. in Pennsylvania. I bet it was nice to get out. You, you guys had your flight canceled, yeah? Yeah. So like, this must be we amazing. Got, we got blown out. The gusts were to 60 miles an hour, and it was like the, the pilot's like, nope, we're not going anywhere. So it was just like we punted to the next day, uh, but we did make it. So I want to start by saying... I understand that you're really into music, and I always enjoy when the podcasts go where least expected. So my <laughs> first thought is, I tried to give you a set of cheap-ass headphones, and you disappeared <laughs> and came back with real headphones. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, wait, you're into audio. So can you tell me a little bit about what kinds of music do you create, or how do you create it, or what what is the thing about it that if you weren't doing it, it would keep you up at night? Yeah, it's uh, unfortunately not a big part of my life right now. Uh, the last couple of years have been pretty tough with Apex and Parkour EDU, but a long time ago in another life, I was in rock Galaxy, bands. Far, far I was, away. Yeah, I was uh, playing guitar and singing for a couple bands, and I was recording music on an eight-track recorder, just crappy, <laughs> crappy piece of equipment. Hey, I know what that is. <laughs> for listeners out there, <laughs> um, old-school technology. <laughs> Who know what it means and, to roll down a window. Right? <laughs> yeah, I would just be sitting in my room making little recordings back in my late teens, and yeah, I love music. Music is just such a beautiful part of being a human being, and I've always been drawn to that. But my relationship's a little rocky. Broke up with music about 10 years ago. Took a 10-year hiatus mm -hmm. where I would play guitar here and there and you know, definitely fond, but I gave so much myself to parkour and the businesses that I run. And uh, just a couple years ago, I found enough space in my life to get back into it. And I put together a home studio and I started recording some music and playing around with it. It's been really fun. The technology is insane now, yes, which yes. is cool. It really democratizes the space yes. because now with you know a lot less money, you can still produce high quality sound mm -hmm. um, as long as you're dedicated to the details and, and you do a lot of research and spend a lot of time tinkering with stuff. So started getting into that again I, I guess to answer your question what kind of music a huge fan of house music i love house music dance music any kind of dance music really anything that makes what me i dance. wanted to say is people don't realize there's stuff all over the floor here that we set up and when i set up the recording gear for the podcast amos was all looking at like oh i have the other version of that same thing so i'm like wait what are you doing with a, a zoom recorder and you said you're doing sampling and i'm like oh wait you're not recording like acoustic ballads then that means you're doing something else and you've got house music yeah so it's just like quickly unpack like if i couldn't spell house or music in a sentence what what is that and how does it work and why are you sampling 
Well, uh, I, I think something I'm drawn to is just uh, the sounds of life. And so I like having that little sampler in my backpack because a Sam in some other country crossing the street and some weird sound of that culture comes out. I want to be able to just sit down, record that really quick, and then bring it into a track if possible. Mm. But I actually don't make a lot of house music. I love house music. I'm just I'm too much of a noob at that. Um, I have made a couple experimental tracks, but mostly just because of my background, I've been doing more so acoustic singer songwriter type stuff just whatever's been coming out of me when i've been playing which is mostly just sad songs <laughs> i'm not sad i'm not sad i i went through a phase though um if you hear these songs you know what i mean they're pretty they're pretty sad oh, well that that brings up the interesting question of why are you making the music so you mentioned that you had a bad breakup with music 10 years ago or so and i'm wondering people especially athletes often talk about restorative practice and things that they do uh, there are certain people that i can think of who have like a a Tuesday rule where every Tuesday they do whatever they have to do. What if that means get a coffee, if that means foam roll for three hours. And I'm just wondering when you went back to music, did you go back like as a, I miss it. I want to go back to it. Or were you searching for a way to like do self healing and then music kind of fell back in. And I'm like, let's unpack the, how these two go back together. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. I think it was a mix of the both. I, I really missed music. You know, I started to see the rewards of all this hard work to actually be able to have some funds to put towards something that I love like this. And then also, yeah, that was definitely a time in my life where I was going through a lot of trauma and I felt just so much therapy and sitting down with my guitar and singing and just letting it kind of come out of me. And then when I wrote my first song in 10 years, I was like, well, I should probably record this. And then I just kind of... Yeah, started making some more tracks. I didn't answer your question about the house music, though. You don't have to answer my um, questions. That's not my job. <laughs> <laughs> I always tell people this is two-man two yeah. beach volleyball, only I swear I'll keep my shirt on because you don't want to see that show. But two-man beach Take volleyball. Take your shirt off. Relax. No, don't. <laughs> my job is to set. And you spike it wherever it needs to go. So I might say, hey, let's talk about whales. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. you're talking about rap. I'm like, all right, whatever. So don't feel like that. I, yeah, like that yeah. You don't answer my question. I'm cool. going to pull you back. This is oh, cool, a hit cool. piece. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> and and we've only, you know, we've just decided we were going to sit down. Sometimes I do interviews where the guest and I talk a lot. It's all recorded, but we're talking just amongst ourselves about what we want to talk about. And then we share little vignettes, little sections of where I set something up mm -hmm. and then they go and then it's a little ping pong match back and forth. We have a little fun. And then when we run out, we just stop. Yeah. Um, but I enjoy doing these conversations because it forces us to play. Like what's the whole thing? If you want to really know somebody, fight them. If you want to really know somebody, try and do like a live recording where you're having a conversation. Yeah. And it's such a out. good way to get to know someone for sure. <laughs> so you've so now you've gone back to music and I, I know that like I'm guessing USPK is a huge amount of time investment and I'm, I'm hoping that maybe you're coming to the light at the end of the tunnel on that so that you can not put it to bed but like actually see people take the baton and on the board and stuff so what else are you working on in terms of so people often ask me people actually ask me questions people often ask me what, what do athletes do like they want me to ask athletes do you keep a training journal do you and, and that's great but that material is easy to just write down pretend your answers in and i'm just wondering like what do you do like you get up in the morning and i, I don't want to like pry in your personal life but like if no you get go up, for it if you get up and you have a free day which may be all eight of them hey that's awesome if you get up and you have a free day do you do you have like all right my goal is to be the emperor right so here's my my 12 year plan <laughs> or do you just sort of like what do i want to do today because I've been to Boulder enough to know that there's like a different vibe here. I'm from the East Coast where I did a three-point K turn when I missed a thing. And I just like, I'm like, I'm doing the turn. And like everybody was like, oh, it's all good, bro. Go <laughs> and I was just like, all right, this is not the East Coast. <laughs> yeah. so, so do you set out with like goals or do you, do you just like go whichever way the wind blows you? 
I see value in both, oh, and I'm actually nice a huge fan of both. <laughs> no, no, I won't dodge it. I won't dodge it. Um, I actually, I think back to something a lot of people don't know about me is most of my 20s, I was homeless, and I lived on the street. I traveled on my bicycle, ate out of the trash, um, that whole gig. Very different life. You know, that was a gig, but okay. <laughs> I will call that a it's gig. a very poor paying gig. Um, and I've, done, I've actually done the dirt bag climber kind of thing. I, I yeah. glommed onto someone for two and a half weeks in Boulder, and he was like, We well, go to this gas station because they'll let us fill our water jug. And this Starbucks <laughs> has a power outlet outside, and he had an yeah. empty Starbucks cup so he could get in. Like, I have a Starbucks, but there's no coffee in it. Anyway, sorry. The, the right. homeless resources. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I know all about those. <laughs> so, eating out of the trash cans. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I, I look back at that time in my life, and one of the more valuable experiences I just absolutely loved from that is my freedom to wander. And I really miss that. And I'm, I want to set myself up in the future to have some more windows of time for this, but I love not having a plan and just letting my interactions with random strangers or anything I see that draws me in, giving my time to those things and letting them direct me to my, the next thing I do in that day. Mm-hmm. I love that. Maybe I'm like highly influenced by Zelda. I played <laughs> Zelda <laughs> Link to the Past as a, as a young child. It's dangerous and, to go. <laughs> yeah, take this. And sometimes I look at my life in those situations. and I'm like, oh my God, I'm just like acting out this game. I'll go and like find someone who needs help. I'll help them. Then they'll give me some tool that like, like helps me in my journey. And uh, so I, I really value that. I love that. But also I have to say that because of the trials I've faced over the last couple of years, I've had to step up my game of organization and productivity to levels I didn't even know existed Mm -hmm. to save the business, basically. And I'm so thoroughly happy with what I'm able to do now. I feel like I have found out how to alter time in my own reality to get real trippy on you here all of a sudden. No, no, <laughs> um, Go just for it. Through, through an ecosystem of systems of being organized and having a plan and setting goals and, you know, whether it's my sleep, my diet, how I exercise, you know, all the, all the journaling, the different ways that I track numbers on myself, mm-hmm. um, everything from time blocking and time management to diet journals. I, I wear an aura ring. Um, this is just a good example <laughs> yep, of like I, I how much it. of a nerd I am about <laughs> no, this stuff. I, I looked at those. I was like, okay, I think it's on my list of things to look at. <laughs> yeah, totally. And so I, I feel like if you can measure these things about yourself, then you can manage them. And I find that I've learned so much about myself and how to accomplish what, who I was two years ago, you'd need 10 of them to do what I can do now. And so I'm all about organization. I'm such a nerd on it. But at the same time, I I see so much value in those windows of just hop in the no plan van. Do I love that. That's a great way to say that. Yeah, I heard that Sorry, recently. No plan I heard that van. recently. I love that concept. So you mentioned, um, and what I'm stuck on is, oh my God, what are you, my evil twin separated? <laughs> if you saw some of the systems I have, some of the people who know me really well have seen some of my systems. And I want to know more about them now. I've had people look at some of the crap I do and go, oh my God, that's insane. Um, <laughs> yeah. one, I'll share a fun one that I started yeah, doing because I think you'll love this and I think this might not put, put people to sleep. So I started journaling maybe like in 2000 and well, maybe in the 90s, but I did it, I started doing it like I'd go on a vacation. So I'd take a journal with me and I'd like make notes so I could remember it. And then over the years, I'm like, well, I was actually kind of cool. And then I just got in the habit of doing it. And for over 10 years, I've been basically journaling every day. And I do it mostly. A lot of times the journals start with, why am I writing this? It's always the same thing. I have nothing to say. It's the same problems. I wrote. You know, like that. But then like a page later, I'm actually thinking about something. So it's, it's really good. And there's a whole bunch of stuff you can read about journaling. But 
here's the point. I recently, a little over a year ago, 14 months ago, I think, sat down and started reading the journals because now I have years of journals. So I sit down every month and I pick up, I said big bookmarks. There are little moleskines and they're like across the bookshelf. And I have a bookmark for six years ago, three years ago, and one year ago. And then every month I move them forward. So I read nice. these little journal entries. So I open up, it's like a novel. It's this novel about, <laughs> about this completely insane person who has problems with food and all, I'm like, all these things. And like six years ago, I'm like, I'm like screaming at the novel. What are you doing? Don't do that. That's the, oh my God, don't get involved in that project. That's going to eat your life. For, oh, look, it ate your life. You know? And it's like, and then it's, it's not like I'm paying a novel novelist who doesn't take his job seriously i get like these random entries like nothing to say you know i'm like why am i paying you to write these journal entries but when i read over them it's like the six year ago me the three year ago me and the one year ago me and i don't want to say like i'm awesome now but compared to the dude from six years ago yeah it's like so i really think so i'm gonna actually put a bow on this i i think people mistake how much progress they actually make because they have no point of reference. Like when you look over your shoulder, all used to like, I'm in a room, I can see four feet, but like, I can't tell anything beyond the space that you're currently in. So if if there's one thing you would do in the sound of my voice would be like, start writing down something about how your day went. And some people do gratitude journaling where they, they try to like, Mm -hmm. they, they try to journal to make a change. And that's a different animal where you like write down three things you're thankful for or something you want to do tomorrow and i'm just like trying to capture my moods and like that's one thing i learned is i'm crazy my moods are like if i could shave the top 10 percent off the highs and stick it in the death valleys that go every like uh, my life would be much better so i think yeah. about that i get to the bottom the dark dog shows up and i'm just like oh hey hey dog what's up all right you'll only be here a week or so but you know we're gonna hang out <laughs> so i i think that's interesting that you mentioned the the yin and yang of like <laughs> get on the no plan van i'm stealing it get on the no plan <laughs> van sometimes and also know when to have yeah. processes i'm a huge advocate for journaling it is such an important way to develop a relationship with yourself and like all different process. types of journals um just the power to look back six months or six years mm-hmm. because you know i for me once i hit my late 20s Time started moving real fast. If you do, if you don't keep an eye on things, all of a sudden years will fly by, and you're like, "What even happened?" So how I, can it be winter again? I just did winter, and this right. is the reading season, and I haven't finished the summer program. Yeah, and so actually, I'll throw out a hack for any listeners that struggle with journaling because writing—it's it's <laughs> right. a task. And some people, you know, they don't, they, just, they think about the idea of writing a page, sitting down, and they're like, "I don't think I can do that." So I started doing this thing a couple years ago where it's all shorthand, Mm. just simply maybe one sentence that would capture like a whole chunk of your day. And then building on top of that every month, I'll go through and pull the highlights. Like Mm. what are the things that matter to me that really stuck out that I'm really happy that it did. And I'll throw those highlights at the bottom also with maybe like a summary of what that month was for me. And then the cool thing that this is all accumulating to is then the whole year. You can actually look back at a year Mm. now if if you do this and it takes two minutes a night at the end of the year, you can actually kind of have this summary of all your highlights, like the, the craziest things that happened to you, the accomplishments that you're so proud of. And then when you have that thought where it's just like, where did the years go? Like, what am I even doing with my life? <laughs> yeah, I you just take that. a look back. You can actually <laughs> pluck out a month mm-hmm. or you can look at 2016, whatever it is. And you'd be like, Oh yeah. Okay. I'm on track. Mm-hmm. I, I see what I'm doing or I don't like what I'm doing. I'm wasting yeah. my time here. Like, I experiment. need to make a change. Yeah. <laughs> it's not reproducing. That was a lesson for sure. Yeah. So the challenge with just doing general conversations is, is like, all right, that would be a nice pregnant pause where we could take a break, but no. So I'm wondering if you want to talk more about your plans for the future 
or if you, maybe you don't want to like, uh, no, I'm in the I'm in the back of the no plan van. I don't want to look forward. Or if you want to think about what are you going to do. So like, all right. So here's I'll give you two options. One option would be let's talk about the future and where you're going. I'll also point out that you are allowed to ask me questions. That was why I gave you some journaling information. The beauty of yeah. these is it's two people talking. It's supposed to be grilling you. Right. Um, so future forward looking would be one place that we could obviously go next. But another one would be I can ask you things like who's the first person that comes to mind when I say the word successful just first person that comes to mind drawing a blank actually (laughs) (laughs) okay uh i mean i I don't have a ton of mentors unfortunately successful and i don't think uh, i guess i don't look up to a lot of people Mm -hmm. in my life right now but if i were to think of successful in something it's a tough question right because as soon as you pick somebody then we're all going to pigeonhole you oh you're money grubbing oh you're (laughs) you're about fame oh that and that's that's why the question is so hard yeah, that is a really tricky question. <laughs> mm. We can go on to something else. All right, so while you're listening at home, yeah, when you blank. hear the word successful, <laughs> who's the person that you think of? You are missing the blaringly obvious opportunity to say to me, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> we can edit out the rest. Yes, Just throw in Craig. No, 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 to say Craig, who's the first person you think of? You have to learn. No, to actually, I do want to say this. I'm not going to, don't worry. I'm not going to stroke your ego here too no, much. But you could, I thought you were going to ask do, the question. All right, go no, ahead. I just, I do want to say that this is my second podcast with you and I've seen a huge level up, huge level up in your communication skills, how you organize everything. Super fluid. I'm, when did we I'm do impressed. another one? You mean the one, the other material that we recorded? Uh, no. Oh yeah. Like 10 minutes ago, yeah, you, like, you, you, you stepped it up like, like what? in the last <laughs> break here. No, uh, not from that. The one we did out at, uh, Oh, Art right. I'm sorry. I don't even think I forgot all about that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know that I had like the flu and I was sick as a dog? Don't make I, excuses. I, oh, I'm trying was... to give you a compliment. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. That was a fun, actually, that was a fun project. Um, he, Amos is for those of us who are like, wait, could we have the sub note, the footnote? I went to the art of retreat uh that was what was that i'm trying to put the last fall yeah Um, last fall so it would have been september 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 of 2018 and uh, the people who organized art of retreat caitlin and alan adam asked me to do small interviews with each of the presenters and they're calling them spark talks and i believe it's on relay fm relay.fm is where you can get that you definitely should go listen to it because it's not me jibba jabbing it's the coach is talking so that was a fun project for me because it's different from what I would normally do. The goal wasn't to like strike conversations. The goal was to right. try and like set as fast as I could and then let the guests right, talk. Right. And that was very, very different for me. So that was fun. I'm not sure whether I'd be glad that you didn't like it or that you like this better. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying you're doing a great job yeah. now. This is, you I, stepped I, your game up. I think this is more, more typical of what I do. I had a hard time not engaging with everybody so much because they wanted shorter pieces. Right, so, right. And we, got, there were, we had 24 people or something to do in two and a half days. Like, Craig, just, you're my successful person. Pick. Just take it. No, I'm not taking it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, here you are. You're traveling, doing well, what I you love. Well, you're living your passion right now, which is so important to walk your path. This this is what gets you excited. <laughs> that's in my book. That's how I define success. Are you walking okay, your path? Are you doing yeah, what you're passionate walking, about? Am I doing what I'm passionate about? All right, we're gonna kind of shift and get real. Yeah, close. I'm not quite on. Task. All right. So, what's the thing that is pulling you off of your path right now? Oh, that's also, let's see, that's something I'm not willing to share on a recording. On <laughs> yeah, that gets, that gets um, gnarly quick. Yeah, it gets gnarly quick. But the, see, the thing is, I believe I know, all right, so the podcast project, 
scratches an itch. Like I, I just cannot shut up is the first problem, as everybody who knows me would say. But just having the opportunity to talk to all, I'm sorry, people, but I get to talk to all of the cool people. <laughs> I mean, and it's getting to the point now where people are like, oh yeah, we totally, I mean, like they get excited when we ask them now. And and now I'm having the problem where we have, I don't want to knock on wood, we have too many and we're trying to figure out like, well, do we release them like twice a week or how are we going to keep up with this? So it's getting out of hand in the logistical sense, but it is so cool to get lost in conversations like this with like Amos and I haven't had a chance to talk this much ever. So it's yeah. fun to talk to people. So in that sense, oh yes, absolutely succeeding, hitting out of the park, having a chance to talk to people. It is absolutely insane. Some of the things that we have been doing to get interviews done, like to, I mean, let's drive in the car to like DC four hours each way and then spend nine hours behind microphones and be home within 48 hours. Like it's all right, that's a little much, Yeah. but it is, I think as I have to, I sort of find my pace and I do a lot of traveling just to go to parkour events and stuff. And not that I, you know, I travel everywhere, but I travel a significant amount. And what I'm working on now is like trying to fit this in with what I'm already doing. So um, you you haven't met Tracy. My wife, Tracy, also does parkour and travels with me, um, but she's not heard in the podcast. So she, you know, we're trying to like coordinate, like, where should we go? Let's go to Germany because there are people to interview in Germany. And then while we're there, we'll talk to people. So it, it's not, um, it's Live not making, in the dream. It's not making money. <laughs> so if your definition of successful is income, it's not making no, money. No, it's not. Actually, mine's um, the reverse. Yeah. So, so it's the same here. It's like a giant. Right? And, and I wanted to get the chance to talk to um, Brandon Douglas is on my list of people I want to talk to because I have this feeling that he and I would just, it would become like this two apes screaming about how much <laughs> podcasting is a pain in the butt. And just like how nerding out. Yeah, hard. just total nerding out. And I think that that'd be fun. fun because I think people would enjoy hearing some of the backstory. Um, totally. So anyway, if you if you haven't fast forwarded over that, I don't know what's what do you so we're just gonna let that's enough on the success thing is there anything else that you want to ask me since we have this is going the other way now it's turning into the amos show let's see what do i want to ask do you know you? that i studied aikido too do you know that yeah i remember hearing that how, how long for have like you done aikido for 15 years and 15 years degree black belt for, so what? my teacher is in an unaffiliated organization so he started st- training with uh, suji mariyama which is the kokikai group when Suji Mariyama was in Philadelphia and he trained with him for decades and then he wound up striking out on, on his own. So all of my ranks are unregistered with Aikikai, but I have been to a couple of Aikikai dojo in Japan and like it's, it's yeah. It's, Hombu dojo. Yeah, I, I got a chance I haven't to train been there Hombu. Well. Oh, no? in the Hombu. I haven't been to Hombu. But anyway, people are like, what are they talking about? <laughs> now we're geeking out about a particular martial art, but I saw there's an Aikido dojo. Yes. Uh, I came and I was like, hey, Ikeda like, senseis. Yeah. Is that is that where he teaches? Yeah. Is that, yeah. yeah. Oh, I should have brought my doji. I should have brought my my. Yeah, uh, seriously, I highly recommend. <laughs> I've been on the mat now in a couple of years. I, I retired. I, I for my teacher, I built a school in the town where I don't know. I'm telling all these stories. Built a, a school in the town where my teacher said we had, always had a dojo. We kept moving. And then a bunch of us got together and built it. And I was the person, like you were saying before, before we started talking, I was the person that was like, oh, we have this need. And I just like filled all the little extra mm-hmm. needs. And then when I wanted to retire, which I basically retired from training and retired from teaching, when I wanted to retire, it was like this perfect moment where everybody else was like, all right. And they like all picked up with it. And like the dojo is still there. And it's nice. actually, quite frankly, it's doing better than it was when I was basically in charge of it because they got rid of the insane Craig and they do things their way. <laughs> and the kids program is growing. It's like, anyway, nice. now, now I'm, so you're, you're good at falling then. <laughs> 
Yeah. I'm, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's, oh, yeah Aikido so totally plays a get, huge role totally in my it. parkour journey and yeah. in my experience. Every time I see you do that, I'm just like, oh, I'm having flashbacks. I should put my hakama yeah. on and do those rolls. Some um, bad habits, though. Some bad yeah, habits fish, come from my Aikido. The, the dead fish foot, I got that from Dead Aikido. fish foot, the, the scoop, uh, slapping true. out oh, the yeah, no, I broke entrance on the forward roll, the slapping out on break oh, falls. Oh, yeah, no, slapping on break falls. Yeah, I broke all those habits pretty quick. So the, the story... I don't normally collect background, um, you know, parkour origin stories, but I, um, the way that I met Adam McClellan, which is the guy who I started training with, he did a martial arts demonstration at a sporting festival for the Kung Fu school that he was teaching at. And I did an Aikido demonstration either right before them or after them at the same thing. So like I come off the stage and he literally goes to me, he's like, Hey, I, uh, I see you're pretty good at those roles. You should come out and try <laughs> parkour with this community that I'm starting. And I was like, all right, you know, that's cool. Like, I mean, I had known him, like we knew each other from some Tai Chi classes that I had taken at the place where he teaches. So it was just like this serendipitous, like, so like the yeah. rolling is a total hook. We're like, oh, you roll really well. I'm like, yeah, but that's only one small part of it. <laughs> yeah. And you have to go like learn to jump and lose 40 pounds and all the rest of the stuff. Actually, that's where I first heard about parkour was in an Aikido dojo. Hmm. Uh, one of the guys was talking about this French art and he was showing someone else how they do their roles different. Mm -hmm. And looking back on the memory, he was so wrong. <laughs> what he was, what <laughs> he was showing the other guys so wrong but he mentioned the name parkour and it immediately intrigued me so that's See, where i first heard about it i started going to parkour classes outdoors of course because where else would you train i went outdoors and i trained like every week i would go to class and then at the time i think i started when i was 40 or 41 and all my connective tissue was it wasn't shot but it wasn't up to snuff for training on hard surface i'm used to being on mats and I would go to class for two hours and then I would spend six days just like in agony, like walking backwards downstairs. And, <laughs> but as I started to get into shape, then I started taking like for warmups and stuff, I would take sick <laughs> parkour derived QM drills and stuff into the dojo. <laughs> so I'd, I'd be like teaching class and I'd be like, all right, we're going to do this. And then I'll be like, what the is that? Nice. But none of them could do it. <laughs> so, like, our teacher would come in like, what are you guys doing? And I'm like, oh, we're just doing physical exercise. <laughs> so it's like this whole meta meta trying to throw parkour to people without even telling them what it is. So yes, I like that. <laughs> nice. Uh, very Orimi-nagi. Right? <laughs> You're, you just lost most of your audience. No, that's okay. <laughs> you know exactly what I meant. So yeah, have you ever, have you ever trained any of the Kokikai? Kokikai is when my teacher started, it's more, it used to be a very hard style, very direct, very functional. Yeah. That's, that's more the kind I lean towards yeah. because yeah, of course, mastery at the highest echelon is soft, yeah, soft and precise, but I'm not going to get there in my lifetime. Yeah. And so for me, I want to be prepared for the miscalculations and bodies clashing and, and more of the rough side of Aikido. Um, that's what I'm drawn to. Yeah. Now we're off talking about martial arts. Um, so let's see. I also mentioned we could talk about the future. I have a whole, I have a toolbox full of fun questions. Yeah, throw them um, at me. Well, I don't, I don't like, some of them are a little like kitschy. Like one of the ones that I like, and you can't ask me this question because I've already done the answer. It's episode 25. Okay. Um, but one of the questions that I find very interesting is to ask people, what's a lesson that their father taught them that has really stuck with them? And you can substitute mother if it really works better if you talk about your mom instead. But generally, because you're a guy, I ask guys about their father mm -hmm. and I ask women about their mother. Mm, if I were to think about a lesson my father taught me... That stuck with you. Not that stuck with me. Yeah. I would say... Because me and my father are very different people. We have very different value systems. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say that one thing that we share in common and I, I think he taught me was just baseline respect for other human beings. 
a certain awareness of like, how are your actions affecting others? And at mm-hmm. a young age, you know, if I did something dumb, he'd always make sure I know <laughs> pretty quick. But and I, I think uh, his success in that wasn't just yelling at me or punishing me, but informing me about being respectful to others. Mm-hmm. And so he was always really on top of that. And I think growing up that just kind of gave me this awareness of what is another person around me feeling and baseline respect. Like I don't have to agree with this person. Like I could be in opposition to this person. They could be like the closest thing to an enemy to me, but still a baseline amount of respect for them being a human being. I mean, just being a human being is, as you know, it's challenging enough. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's crazy what we have to go through in this world. It is nuts. Like sometimes I'll stop and think about that. Most people don't talk about this or think about it, but it is crazy what we face as individuals, just how, how many unknowns they are. Mm Mm-hmm. And the society that we were born into and the problems that we face, like some of the gnarly things that happen around this planet. And I think that just right there, that should be a baseline level of compassion for any human being. And just to have that respect for even someone that you're working against, have that baseline respect. That's a really good answer. Amen. Without repeating my whole story in episode 25, go listen. Um, Not not you. I'll tell you. (laughs) I don't want to re-record it every time I ask that question. Yeah, yeah. Um, Another question that I had just thought of, which, you know, there are two signs of old age. The first sign of old age, you start to forget things. And the second sign of old age is... um, Because <laughs> I actually forgot the question I was going to ask. I was going to say, no, that was uh, that was authentic. You no, were, no, that no, no that, that's a joke. That's <laughs> okay, like okay. there's only two rules to success. Yeah, Don't yeah, tell yeah. everybody everything you know. Yeah, right. So I was going to ask another question, but this is. But you little, actually forgot. I had actually <laughs> forgotten the question. Yes, I have too many ideas in my head. So okay, so here, let's unpack some meta. Um, I think I've mentioned this before. I know I mentioned it in episode twenty-five because Kristen asked me all the questions about how we do the podcast. But I often distract myself because I'm trying to think about people who are listening and trying to gauge. Mm. Like at a point, I should just shut up. Or what did you just say that we want to continue? And I'm, I was like rerunning over what you said to decide if I wanted to dig. And I'm like, no, he really wrapped that up nice. And we left a little pause and it was good enough. So I, I tend to distract myself. You know? so, no worries, wow. man. ADD. I'll I guess, vibe with I, it. I joke, I turn, turned my attention deficit disorder into autism. <laughs> anyway, other fun questions like, now I'm drawing a blank on... What other question? It's pronounced Ah du déplacement. Ah du déplacement. That's close, actually. Parlez-vous français? Un peu, ouais. Tu tu aussi? Moi aussi, un petit peu. Ah, c'est cool, ça. Super. (laughs) Your accent is way better than my accent is. Um, I was joking. Oh, you know, actually, that not speaking French reminds me of an interview with Stani Malay. Do you know Stani? Yeah. Actually, I met him in uh, Nantes. 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 Nant. Yeah. 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 Well, no, if you speak French, oh, you know, the S is silent. It's not Nantes. Not <laughs> N-A-N-T-E-S. Oh, that's right. I forget. Long time. Yeah. Oh, no. Actually, I met him in Paris. So he, um, yeah, that's, also, that's also very likely if you're training. He, I had a chance to sit down, sit down and interview him. And this is actually related to you saying, you're living the dream. And I said, no, what it really is, is really cool conversation. So I had a chance to sit down with Stani and we've been like talking for like a year and a half. We should do an interview, we should do an interview, we should do an interview. And it was just one of these like, his wife was there and his daughter and it was like we were at girl lab and everything was like crazy but then there was this little window of time opened up and I have this image burned in my head of like me and Stani sitting in the lawn under a tree like in like the coach's housing like on the corner of the property all the way out you know quiet and just like having this conversation with the breeze and the sun at near the end of girl lab and you would never know this but Tracy and his wife are standing there so like the four of us are like having this kind of they're not talking but there's like this four person conversation and his daughter oh, I apologize her name escapes me it was like running around the grass so it's like just these really cool moments and that to me is what 
I enjoy most about the interviews is the meta part of being yeah. privileged enough to be in those conversations with those people like yourself who share their time. Thank you. So what other questions do you have? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a little unprepared. <laughs> Join um, the club. I, I come prepared, but... Wait, I, I have a question. So Stani wasn't talking. You guys were all just in silence. No, Stani was talking. Was oh, okay. Me and Stani, me and Stani <laughs> But you're just having a quiet yeah, connection. Just, yeah, so, uh, so Girl Love can be a very busy, noisy place because it's the school and you have like hundreds of people there, or a hundred some people there. And it's also the parkour event and the dance event. There's all kinds right, of right. things. And the coaching housing is off like a corner. I mean, it's not, you know, it's a school. It's an estate. So yeah. it's kind of like down over a little hill. So there's nothing going on back there. You're kind of by yourself. So it was this. No, I just thought maybe Stani had led you to believe he doesn't speak English. Oh, no, I know him way too well for that. I know him, he's been my, I know him way too well to know that, right? Yeah, no, I, thought, yeah, I was just glad he was doing the interview in English. He did, actually, his English is really yeah, good. Yeah, really good. Anyway, you ever met his dog? He's, no. He's got a dog? No. <laughs> I think I should just, he's got a dog named Dude. He named his Dude, dog yes. Dude. <laughs> so he, I, I guess he it was like his first trip to London or maybe even to America. And he just heard the English word dude. That's a and, great French dog name him. for sure. His dog, yeah. And he's like, I, I kind of regret it now. Like, because <laughs> you really can't change a dog's name. Once they learn their name, you're, that's oh, right, they, yeah. they learn it. And, and so now I'm like, what's your dog's name? He's like, dude. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, did you really name your dog dude? He's like, oh, oh yes. You know, right? So sorry, Sonny. But his dog is very nice. Yes, he's a very pleasant dog. What other questions should we trot out for Amos? <sighs> We could talk about anything. We could go into the past a little bit deeper, more with, um, I guess your audience is mostly parkour related. We mostly talk parkour about, like, related? What do you think most people around the country are curious about? Um, oh yeah, that too. I can't read that far. Information activism, that not really as parkour related, but yeah, that's Yeah, I mean, do you want to try and go like... Sure, yeah, I'm down to go down that. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. So, hey, how about information activism? Information activism. So what is that? I guess I should just explain that right off the bat. Uh, information activism is, you know, I might not even be using this correctly. I kind of use this term my own way and there might be other ways that people use this, but it's the idea of trying to fix the overwhelming problems we face with information these days. And we talked about this a little bit in the USPK interview. Mm -hmm. um, just we live in a world where it's hard to trust information. You've got big organizations throwing tons of money just at duping us. You know, from all angles, you've got people putting out disinformation, you've got misinformation, everything's fueled by Facebook just being this stuff just proliferated through echo chambers. And we live in a world today where it's very difficult to be a citizen, to make responsible decisions and be informed. And this initially became a passion of mine in my early 20s when I saw some of the effects that hit close to home, just even with my father and some of the relationships I had in my life. I saw people relationships relationships parting because this person's regurgitating Fox News, this person's regurgitating they're CNN. They're in their own bubbles. And they're not even discussing the facts. They're you know, they're causing harm to their relationships and they're down here in the mud, not actually discussing anything that was going to push anybody in direction towards a place of learning or making a good decision for society. So Information activism for me started to become a passion, something I would do a lot of research about and read about and track my ideas for. I've got a lot I want to do with that. But the same thing that happened with music, like I said, I took a 10-year hiatus, and that's because I gave a lot of myself to parkour and our businesses. And that's the that kind of goes for the same with information activism. I try to make myself more informed, more aware, and, and, and learn more about it. And I'll still work on projects within that from time to time, but I haven't really been freed up to go hard in the dirt with that. So do you see that as something that you 
I mean, clearly it's, it's important to you. It's something that you want to embody and that you want to see actioned in the world, yeah. like in your actions. But do you also see it as like, there's a, there's a meta project there, which is to can, you know, create other acolytes who would also go out and do the yes. work as well. So how, you know, so there might be three or four people listening. So how do you tell other people to go out and do that? Like, what's a good first actionable? Cause like, if you say, you know, quit your TV, that's not going to be so easy for people to do. Or so yeah. I'm just wondering what's, how can we bring people on board? Almost kind of like the drop soda and fast food hmm? yeah. of nutrition good analogy. I mean, you definitely should do that, but that's... <laughs> yeah, but it's like the hard. it's the top tier. At least do this. Yeah, um, That's the first thing you should do. I guess when it comes to your information diet, I would say one of the first things you should probably drop is mass media. Mm-hmm. Just the... Anything that you see on Facebook would be just... I mean, <laughs> anything I see on Facebook is entertainment, right? So don't, don't think you're getting news if you're just following your Facebook bubble. Yeah, I would say um, at the same time, it's difficult. It's not easy. Uh, You know, you can cut mass mainstream media out of your diet, but you're going to encounter information on a regular basis throughout your day, whether you like it or not. We all get pummeled with it. And I'm not cynical either. Like, it's hard. I don't even have a family. I imagine a man with a family and a full-time job. They come home from work. They're tired. Last thing you want to do is research something they saw on Facebook and the amount of time it actually takes to do that research and be fair on it is, is no easy task. So I'm not a cynic. I know it's very hard for people, but at least trying to be more balanced in your consumption of where you get information, make sure you're putting in the effort to evaluate your sources so that the regular information you're consuming is coming from more probably accurate sources is a good first step. Yeah, I once heard someone describe it's called the phrase is hang together. So, and I didn't realize I was doing this, but when I hear something that I think is new, my first reaction isn't whether or not is I don't look at something and go, is that true or not? My first reaction is like, how does that fit with everything else that I know? And if something is like really exceptional, then I kind of want exceptional information right. behind it. Now, the the bootstrap problem is if your entire if my entire universe is whacked, then anything that's really interesting and true wouldn't hang with the rest of the whackness. So you might, <laughs> you might need to be careful that you're building in the long term as well. Yeah. But I think that's an interesting test is to sort of pay attention to one's first reaction to some new bit of information is mm-hmm. my immediate reaction one of resistance or of, you know, uh, Oh, I love, yes, I like that idea that, you know, right. or do I feel like I want to push it away and then first notice that and then ask the question, wait, why am I attracted to that? Or why do I want to push it away? Yeah. That might be a way to drive a, I read a good article one time. It says how this, how the hammer fails you. It was a metaphor of trying to smash an entire barn with a sledgehammer and you can spend a lot of time doing that, but it's much easier to go there with a crowbar and slowly peel off the boards and take it apart. So maybe a, a place to get away in to start looking at your reactions to new pieces. Absolutely. Of Actually, that's another thing I would say if uh, a listener is like, well, I, I have those sentiments. I've had relationships destroyed over silly arguments and I feel like I can't connect to my family members because right. of their belief systems and maybe the tribalism they're falling victim to. I would say another first step you can take is be science literate. Um, a lot of people, even people that are that have degrees that are going down that route, a lot of people aren't just scientifically literate, know how to conduct good science. And then on top of that, just knowing about what your biases are, uh, like kind of how you're pointing out there, like understand how confirmation bias works, understand right. your tendencies so that you can have those red flags go off for you. So you don't fall victim to certain information that maybe is going to make you look silly down the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are some important things too. If you had a time machine and you could go back and 
talk to yourself. So let's just presume that yourself would sit down and actually listen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I would just run screaming, but assuming you can go back in time and you can talk to yourself and that yourself will listen, where would you go like back in time and you know, give me a quick picture of where you would be mm-hmm. and what message would you want to deliver? And what I'm looking for is a change that you can see that you've experienced and you're actually, usually what you're doing is trying to go back and, and speed that up. Like, Oh, I wish I knew that five years ago. So time machine back in time, you don't have to convince me why you'd listen and what would the lesson be? And you know, what were you trying to change? Well, that's physically impossible. So yeah. Okay. Fine. <laughs> I, you let me set that all up right. and you're going to play that card. I'll let you, okay. Fine. Let Next you go on for a while. No, no, I actually, I will say this, even though it is physically, probably impossible. physically impossible, I would say, that I probably wouldn't at this point in my life. It asked me maybe six months ago. I would probably have a different answer. But at this point in my life, I would actually say that I am exactly where I need to be. My future self now is not visiting me now for the same reasons. And I think uh, I needed to learn those lessons. Absolutely. You wouldn't be who you are today. I wouldn't like, cause if you asked me the question, just pretend you did. I, my answer would be, yeah, I would have gone back in time, but now what I would actually would like to do is there's about five, maybe uh, just picking a number mistakes that I made that I'm like, okay, I should figure out some way to like either get over it or like apologize, like something, but like, I, I'm not gonna go back and fix the mistakes yeah. because I learned like really important lessons from those mistakes. Yeah. Oh, I can talk so, about mistakes. I, mean, I you, got those. You can. <laughs> yeah. We probably don't want to go, we don't want to go there. But at the same, wanna, like look up the statute of limitations in Idaho on auto theft, you know, like you don't want to have to do all that research. Yeah, that's true. I've done a lot of legal stuff, so let's not talk about that. All right. Not talking about that. Moving on. Other questions. I don't know. I'm kind of drawing a blank just because it's a uh, part of the problem is I am, I've been up a lot. I'm like, yeah, no worries, no worries. And there's like this nice breeze coming in the door. So I'm just like, this it is doesn't so feel so nice. This is, this is the best podcast ever. Yeah. Feels really good. Oh, wow. Um, wow. That's they're like, hey, hey, don't get too excited. Times. The breeze is really nice. There's sun coming I, I through the windows. I once worked with, I've been worked with several people, but I once worked with a guy who was a, I mean, he still is, but he, at the time he's this super passionate programmer and he would come into my little office and, and he basically like come in the door and he'd be like, Oh my God, this is the idea. He'd be like so excited. And I would, I would listen like, cause I, I love ideas and he would give me the whole idea. And then I just couldn't help it. But like, I'd have like this, Oh, but there's this problem with the thing. And I would go, <laughs> I would be like, I've learned now to be nicer. Like, that's a really great idea. What did you think about the, but I would always, 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 and I apologize. I shouldn't have done this, but I would always start with the problem. That's mm. not going to work because blah, 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 that's not going to work. And eventually he would, he would, and then he would go like, Oh, and just get like deflated. <laughs> And eventually he would run in and pause. And I would go, this is a sight gag. I would go, you know, like I was popping a balloon with a pin, you know, and he would deflate. But let me tell you anyway. And then he would tell me his idea anyway. And eventually he started coming in after a couple of years. He would come in with ideas and I'd be like, dude, I got nothing. I mean, all I can say is that's a good idea. You know, and then it was a really fun. We had a really good relationship. Not, you know not what the problem with that, that is though? What? No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I missed it. I'm sorry. You forgot to go. I don't know if I can make that sound. It's a new one for me. <laughs> sound effects. I really wasn't expecting. What do you like to talk about? That's what I'll say. What do I like to yeah, talk like, about? Uh, do you like to talk about I love humanity? Food. I love food. You love food. I love food. I'm a foodie. <laughs> me and food, we're like this. I have, oh man, <laughs> I love food so much, but I have a terrible relationship with food right now. Uh, my relationship is so dysfunctional. It's it's like codependent and i'm being abused you hate yourself after every meal. oh no literally oh literally i'm codependent and i'm being abused i mean i don't mean to make light of people who have 
physical disorders, but uh, my relationship with food is not optimal. Yeah. Uh, but I have an Italian mother. You go to, I go to my mom's house oh and she's my like, God. I, I made would have this, to leave you know, the family. Oh, right. She's like, I made like all the things that she makes, you know, I'm like a name recipe. She's like, make all this food. And I'm just like, yeah, well, I'll just train harder this week. <laughs> just, just, you know, the, remember this, you know, the scene from Gladiator? Hold the line! Hold the, you know, is that riding through the woods yeah. trying to stay in a straight line? That's, that's what I'm thinking when I'm at my mom's house eating. <laughs> just try to oh, nice. hold the line. No, it's not nice. That's completely dysfunctional. Yeah, I, it's not good. Say? Ultimately, what? well, my, my relationship's not like that. <laughs> <laughs> See, you feel better because I'm messed up. Yeah, actually, it's funny because the first thing we did is we went out to eat when you got here. <laughs> and I told, I leaned over to you guys. I'm like, hey, don't worry, the, the whole restaurant it's gluten free and everything's organic. <laughs> right. And then I realized what that might have sounded like to you. I was like, "Welcome to Boulder." <laughs> right. I, yeah, I was like, I was expecting that. Which, by the way, it was really good. Did you notice? Now, now looking back, did you notice I was really excited about the Brussels sprout chiffonade salad with uh, I mean, a horse yeah, either wasabi really or horseradish, whatever it was. Did you notice I was really excited about that? That was actually yeah. really good. And you shoveled that down. It was all over the front <laughs> of your shirt. It, was, it wasn't. I'm wearing the same shirt. <laughs> oh, you were rough. Man. You enjoyed it. Ah, I saw a, that. A Temi. I see I this the now. Right? Yes, you do know what a Temi is. All right. <laughs> People can go look it up. A-T-E-M-I. But uh, no, my relationship with food is I'm definitely on a legit diet right now. And I've I've been experimenting with my diet for many years, but just out of like a need for necessity mm-hmm. and efficiency of my time. I'm doing new things like I drink Soylent every day, which I'm not happy about. Oh, I love <laughs> I love the idea of Soylent. Can I know. It's a beautiful I, idea, isn't it? it? people <laughs> you've seen the original movie right no what i guess i need to know this oh my god okay there is a movie with charlton heston is it fahrenheit no oh, it's wait. a movie with, it's called soylent green oh the product is named after soylent from that's the movie. right i heard something about that yeah, the movie is pretty bad like i mean it's charlton heston I, oh okay it's so over the top it's so kitsch it's from 1960 i don't know whatever maybe yeah 78 or something but it's basically a story about a post-apocalyptic okay. dystopian world. People are starving to death, and there's a company called Soylent, okay. and they make the products are just named colors. And then these little things look like uh, Cheez-Its or something, and they're different <laughs> colors, and they're basically they're protein food. So the yeah. Soylent green is made from algae, but when you watch the movie, you find out it isn't made from algae. And then it's, Oh, yeah. God. So I love no, this. Actually, I always think about The Matrix when I'm drinking it. I'm like, this is just the oh, goop in the matrix the I'm putting in my body yeah. so I can immediately go to the next task that I have to do. I love food too much to do that. You know, I do too, but I've kind of come, I've become accustomed to it and it's not too bad. I've gotten to a point where I really enjoy how quick I kickstart my day. Like mm. I just chug a Soylent. All right, let's talk. A couple minutes and I'm on to my first task. Boom, like, boom, so, boom. so Soylent, we'll be contacting you and you can provide me a large check or we're going to bleep out every one of those words. But <laughs> let's let's talk about food. So I'm I, just fishing for a Soylent sponsor right now. <laughs> Soylent, oh. No, I actually don't want that. That would, that would alter my life in a way that I don't want because that's another reason I They'd use it is because it's very cheap. They'd make you get off the no plan. But band. if they offered it to me for free, like I'm never going to get back to the diet I want to be on. <laughs> I actually do. I want to. My next big experiment is keto. I've surprisingly, I've never tried keto. It seems like a controversial topic. I can see no, by no, look on your face. Okay, so I started doing intermittent fasting. Yeah, um, which is like I don't. I'm going to attribute all of my success to it, but I started doing 16 by 8, 16 slash 8. So there's a. But if you, yeah. if you don't know what this is, just yeah, look up yeah. IF. But the basic idea is that I don't eat after 7:30 and I don't eat before 11:30 in the morning. So my definition of breakfast is when I break my fast at lunchtime. Most people would never notice because unless you would be around when I'm at breakfast, you wouldn't notice that I haven't eaten. So I got up at you no know, time zone shift. I got up at four o'clock in the morning today, which would have been it's. That would have been 13 hours ago. No, 15 hours ago. So 15 hours ago, and I ate about, well, when you saw me, that was the first, I had one, I had one little snack. 
about an hour before that. Yeah, but that was the first yeah. that I ate. And when I first started doing that, and people hear you say, like, you didn't eat for 18 hours. And I've been like, you know, on planes and using computers and driving cars. And I'm like, yeah, you develop the yeah. ability yep. to use fat. And the byproducts of burning the fat produce ketones. Different experience altogether. Your, yes, it's a whole thing. I have never gone as far as, um, there's a guy named Dr. Peter Atia, A-T-T-I-A. If you're at all interested in ketosis, ketone bodies, or any of the biology, go look up Peter Atia. And he's got some podcasts, which are unbelievable. The only podcast I slow down and listen to with three-hour things multiple times. But he talks a lot about exogenous ketones, which is where you can mm-hmm. basically try yep. and I'm eat, so interested in eat that. them. Yeah, so there's a lot of interesting... I haven't gone that far. I've just been playing with intermittent... By, and by playing, I mean doing it nonstop for five years, yeah. intermittent fasting. Have you tried the fasting where... I actually got this from Camilo Tarzan, he's known as in the parkour community. Right. Just shredded. It's like so strong. I have six-pack abs. They're, <laughs> un, they're underneath. <laughs> well, then you've been doing this too, then I take it. So... Tarzan, he would not eat every third day. And he told uh-huh. me this a, a few years ago, and it always struck me as like, whoa, that's really interesting. And I'm very scientific when it comes to what I add in my life. A lot of people just change a bunch of stuff, and they're like, oh, I feel good. Mm-hmm. But for me, I will actually put things on delay so that I can isolate something new in my life. And so I have this long list of experiments I want to run on myself. I can't even get to him fast you enough. To you need to look up Atiyah's stuff because he's yeah, done some cool. absolutely. He, he did a thing called the Nothing Burger, <laughs> which is a picture of a burger with nothing in the middle. And the Nothing Burger was he did like a one-week true ketosis where he was very, very particular what he ate so that his blood ketones were above five millimolar or something like truly in ketosis the whole time. And then the nothing burger in the middle was a seven day water only fast followed by like a seven day, you know, ramp out with yeah. ketosis only. And he was like measuring his blood numbers twice a day. And then him and um, I think it's Dom D'Agostino. Have you heard of Dom? Yeah. Yeah. So him and Dom, I think it was, did this huge, I mean, he's like reading blood numbers and you did like, go look at the YouTube videos. And he yeah. really does a lot of those experiments on himself to try and yeah. figure out how your blood markers change. Oh, I wish I could afford some of those markers. Like some of them are so expensive, but I will say this though. You can still learn a lot from the journaling aspect and tracking yes, all your yes, own numbers. Yes. Like, How you know, do I feel, right? even using things like an Oura ring, you know, it's not incredible, but still you can track your resting heart rate and Atiyah like how your sleep's going. Track his sleep. Exactly. And so I've been experimenting with this every third day, not eating here mm-hmm. and there. And whoa, that is powerful for sure. It's definitely more difficult than the 16 hour. Yeah. But um, I highly recommend if anyone hasn't tried that, just one day off. I mean, you, you save a third of your food costs too. Yes. It's, and I think from what I've been reading about longer fast. So when you do an intermittent fast, you're, you're fiddling with the basic fuel source, but you're not really fundamentally changing how your body operates. And when you do ex- more extended fasts or more regular longer fasts like that, I think, from my understanding, you're mm-hmm. kicking off autophagy, so your cells begin to look at, oh, you know, there's, I, I used, as a kid, I thought there was one mitochondria in each cell, and there actually can be thousands or tens of thousands, so it's like, oh, if these mitochondria aren't working so good, we just shoot them in the head, stuff them in the shredder, and make new ones, and I, I think that when you do those longer fasts, mm-hmm. I've actually been thinking about doing one day, and then trying a three, and then like going longer and longer to see how far I could push water-only fast. And then that would have a huge benefit on DNA repair and mitochondrial function. Right. The science I've read, it makes me a little eerie of going (laughs) past a day, but oh my goodness, that day is, it was hard at first to get through. And I definitely didn't feel like I was at my maximum capacity physically or mentally, but the next day after that. When you, when you, when you, after the next I feel feeding. like my body's a new body. It's, yeah. it's pretty wild. So I recommend that. And I've done versions of keto, not the full thing yet. 
but yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Like this is the backbone in my opinion. Like one of the, the best things you can do for yourself is be scientific about what you put in your body and dial that in and it will change your reality. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah I mean, there's tons of resources for how to do it and how to, I'm going to say experiment on yourself. I don't mean like in a crazy way, but to run an experiment, yeah. where I'm going to change this and I'm going to write down how I felt every morning. And totally. Then- and actually I'm such a huge advocate of that because there is too much information out there and there is also too much bullshit. Yes. It, nutrition is a young science. There are so many people trying to sell you products right. and you shouldn't be out there just taking a bunch of supplements and t- you know, on the latest fad diet. Everyone's got different blood types, different yes. genetic backgrounds, and, lifestyles. You need to be able to isolate a certain diet and be able to journal that, take a bunch of numbers, look that back, cross-reference that with other diets. Mm-hmm. Like if you really want to know yourself and you know what, what works for your body, you got to do that because like for me, I know for sure alcohol is not good. Gluten, sugar, like a lot of these things I've discovered, but other people can thrive off those mm-hmm. things. I, so I don't or judge what to at their current. Yeah. Age, you know? I was like, oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> and I think that is a really key point is it in some sense, it doesn't matter what the scientific studies say. What really matters yeah. is when I put this food in my face, what happens to right. me and that that's really what matters. So right. I don't recommend doing really crazy insane things. I haven't done full ketosis, but when I first started trying to like, I started doing parkour, then I realized you literally can't outrun your fork. And I started doing things which can lead to dark places. Like, do you want to eat that? You have to carry it over the wall like those kinds of things. (laughs) But that became like an inserted, it became a break point in the routine of eating where it'd be like, would you like a piece of cake? And then I started getting picky. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, cake really isn't my thing. I mean, so no, thank you. I really wouldn't because uh, like I have to do climb ups tomorrow or whatever. So sometimes it really helps to do, if you can manage to do something lightly so you can manage to insert those break points. I found that I read a ton. I read everything there was to know about ketosis. And then I started thinking about ketosis. And what happened was I thought about food differently. So I didn't actually try and do ketosis, but I was like, you know what? I don't really need them often. And I just started like, oh, I'm not really going to eat this. And I'm like, oh, maybe I'll stop. And, and it just changed the way I was eating, which is all I wanted to do anyway. I can't. Yeah. My mom makes really wicked Italian food, which I will take the heart attack for if I can eat that <laughs> at Christmas dinner. You know, like it's, it's a limited supply of that. Yeah. So I think it's important that your food support you physically. Physically, like bio, biologically at the side level, but it's also really important that it, you know, food for Western cultures, Eastern cultures, everybody, it's a social thing. Like it's yeah. the first thing we did when we got here was we met at whatever that place was and, and mm-hmm. like had food and it's a very, you know, breaking bread, although we didn't have any bread. <laughs> I noticed none of us ate bread. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's, that's definitely tricky because you, a lot of people, their argument is I want to enjoy my life. And what I'd say to those people who really want to see a change and they still struggle with giving up certain foods or they make these excuses or they have these uh, certain things they tell themselves is it's all about a relationship with different parts of yourself. For me, like, let's say I see a, a croissant. <laughs> that's, my, that's my advice. Um, I, w- I would be walking by, I see something like that. And I think I just have so many attachments to the culture and just the, the well, idea of it. You know, the three secrets, the French cooking, right? Butter, butter, and butter. <laughs> it's all in the cows eating yeah. good grass, making good butter. And oh, my God. Sorry. Yeah. You were saying croissant. <laughs> yeah, you're going to make this harder to say. <laughs> no, but uh, what I've been able to do is, and this goes for lots of things that humans struggle with as vices, is we have this idea part of the time where we're like, I don't do that. I know that's bad for me. You have this long list of reasons you don't do whatever that thing is. But then before, you're, you forget these things and you justify it. And you're like, well, I want to enjoy my life, blah, blah, blah. 
And for me, closing the gap between the two selves has been extremely powerful. I've developed this relationship with my after self, mm-hmm. the one who does has yeah, the has foggy to live, mind. Has to live with the results of what yeah. the before self did on Friday, right? Yeah, yeah. Like diarrhea in my pants, like all the things that happen with croissants. That's just... Sorry. <laughs> what means total non sequitur. There was a funny noise there and I was like, what was that sound? funny timing but i would develop this relationship with my after self that knows exactly what that feeling is like and also through all the diet experimentation of just dialing in what my body wants to thrive at optimal level i know what those two feel like so well that i can look at a croissant and i can i'll just take a whiff i'll let the gluten seep into my nose for a second but i know that that's not the person i want to be and so most of the time I won't do that. It doesn't mean that I don't allow myself a little bit of sugar here and there and I and cheat. And actually it makes those experiences amazing. Right. Because before when I lived in France, it was disgusting. I was I would eat a croissant every day for breakfast. It was <laughs> maybe even two. Like it was out of control. And I didn't even enjoy it anymore. I was yeah. just going through the steps. Right. I would eat a croissant and then be like, what did I just do? I didn't even enjoy that. <laughs> Crumbs, right? Now yeah. if I were to have a croissant it would be like the highlight of my month. Just like Let's every bite, I would just like have a weird look on my face. I'm taking like, I'm taking you to the Rose Bakery of, <laughs> on. I, I have an exact brand, we have, an exact bakery I have to take you to. If you'll deal with me afterwards, being in a foggy, <laughs> I'll make not sure. diarrhea. I'll just make, a joke. So I'm not dealing with that. I'm, I'll make sure you get home safe. Me. <laughs> but uh, no, I like to do that. Actually, sometimes I will sugar crash myself into a, just a gooey food coma nap. Just, ah, oh, I love that. I, but the thing is, is now that I know my balances and I know what brings me to my optimal self, it's just so much easier to pick, to look at that thing and be like, no, it's not as good as being on a high frequency and just dialed in and feeling like I'm on my path. So anyone struggling with food, cause I know most people in my life that I know have that kind of struggle where like, well, I don't want to, I want to enjoy my life. Actually, another element is this, my taste buds have evolved. Yes. Um, at first, it was really difficult sugar. to give up sugar. Yeah. yeah. But now, you know, where when I was younger, fruit was like this tart, gross thing that was like not as good as candy. Mm-hmm. And now I can't, I almost can't even eat certain fruits because it's such a blast of flavor in my mouth. I'm like <laughs> overcome. Like, <laughs> right yeah. I'll be standing in public just like, <laughs> probably I should do that in private, just like eating strawberries or something. <laughs> a moment. And uh, yeah, now it's, it changes the way I experience food. And, yes. and now I look forward to like, there's so many options, even on a very restrictive diet. Um, one of my favorites, the most success I've ever had is with your personal paleo code by Chris Kresser, the intro 30 day cleanse diet that he kicks up book off with. There's so many options and they taste amazing to me now. Whereas before, yeah, it was a little bit hard, but that, that comes in time. So now I actually enjoy the food I eat. Um, only reason I have a bad relationship with food right now is just because of efficiency. I'm drinking soy yeah, and I, shit. I was going to say that's like, there's totally, you know, there's two people in, in our household and, and we share cooking duties, but it's still a challenge. Like if both people are tired or somebody's, yeah, like, totally. it's, it's tough to, to do food. Right. And I think that's a situation where I can't speak for the rest of the world, but in the culture that I've grew up in, the families used to be bigger and you would have multi-generations. There were plenty of hands and it was easy for one person to yeah. feed nine. So, but my mom did all the normal cooking. I'm, I'm an, there's only three of us. I'm an only, I'm an only mm-hmm. child. So it's just my mom, dad, and me, but my mom did all the cooking. And like, I didn't realize how awesome that was until you know, I grew up and was like, Oh, okay. It's Tuesday. I make dinner. <laughs> oh, it's Wednesday. I make dinner. Oh, it's Thursday. I make, okay. You know, like after a couple of years and you start like, yeah. oh, I'll get the microwave rice. Somebody, it might've even been a Tia. Somebody said something like, 
quickest tip for going to the supermarket is only buy food. Food is easy to identify. It does not have a label on it. If it has a mm. label that lists the ingredients, you are not buying food. You're buying processed food. Mm. And yep. that's like a really good, like, I mean, you're like, wow, none of this stuff is food. And then you, then you begin to get really picky um, and you can go nuts. Like, oh, I'm only buying organic hand crushed peanut butter. I'm like, all right, well, you know, you can find things like that, which are food, but have a label. Right. But the vast majority of stuff. I mean, like I go in the breakfast. I was raised on breakfast cereal. I was a latchkey child. Me too. Home after yep. school. I go in the breakfast food aisle. Like I get like, I'm in like, you know, I will, I'm in the wrong aisle. And I look at it and I'm just like, Oh, look at, I mean, there's like 700 kinds yeah. of sugar in processed. Grains. And now I get it. I look back and I slept through high school. <laughs> it was ridiculous. I would walk into class yeah. and the second the teacher started talking, no. I just put my head on my desk. I don't know how I got through high school. It was ridiculous. And now I see these younger parkour people and they're eating the most ridiculous stuff and they're young. They can get away with it a little bit. But the fact is, I don't, I think their bodies still can handle that, but I don't think their minds can. And I think a lot of younger parkour people, they think, oh, I don't have to worry about that. Eat whatever. But if only they knew how different life can be, just your relationships like going after the, having the passion to go after projects. Um, the, the it is dots, insane. You, like the, the dots mental that just suddenly connect on them. Like, Oh, this is obvious. This goes with that. And you know, you should talk to this person and, and like things. It's you... like operating at another speed. Yeah. And you know, again, everyone's different, but that's one of the most important things human beings can do that. That right there would make a, the world a better place. If people ate better, like put things in their body mm-hmm. that were good for their body and mind, that would be huge. So let's see, takeaways. One of my pet peeves is I, I always feel like I'm wasting people's time with conversations and in interviews. I'm like, what's the takeaway, Craig? So I'm thinking some good things to do would be to like go look up stuff. You mentioned Chris Kressler. He yeah. actually has a podcast too. Yep. Um, so Chris Kressler, it's K-R-E-S-S-L-E-R, I think it is. Or is it? I think no, there's, there's no L. L. K-R-E-S-S-E-R. Yeah. Uh, he's a good person to listen to. His podcasts are same size. But he's also got great blog material. There's another guy, Stephen... I think it's Guinet, G-U-Y-U-N-E-T. It's a French last name. And his website, it's called uh, Health Correlator. It's actually a blog spot. It's like an old, you know, and you're like, whoa, people still use these. And you never hear from him for like eight months. And then he puts out like, whoa, I'm going to take eight months to have to read the thing. So Health Correlator is another good one where he talks a lot about the physiology of things. Nice. Peter T. we mentioned. So there's a a lot of stuff you can dig into if you want to go read about that material. Yeah, the way I actually, you were saying before, we were talking about self-experimentation. The way I feel about that is it doesn't mean don't listen to the science out there. It just means that, like I was saying before with information activism, the reason I'm so passionate is that there are so many abuses in this world Mm. and we get barraged. We can't look through it all. Do your best to find the people that are trustworthy in the space that are most probably putting out good information and let that be a little torch in the cave to guide you. But ultimately, I would say after you go to these people, you've got to journal, you've got to do your own experiments. You have to be scientifically literate to run these things, which is very difficult being a human being. Like there's so many factors in your life, like sleep, stress levels, so many other things that affect your outcomes. So you have to just be super scientific, but also use these people as a guide to find your research. I was just like, as you're talking, I was just thinking like, yeah, actually I kind of skipped the whole step where 
before I started parkour, I wasn't, I, I would say I wasn't actually self-aware. So if you're not self-aware, mm-hmm. you can't do self-assessment. So I didn't, I didn't set out with this grand plan. Like I'm going to fix myself in 15 years, but I, I for, for like a long convoluted story, I realized that I didn't like who I was in certain situations. And there are a couple different ones. I won't go into details. I don't mean like I became a gangster and robbed banks. I just mean like <laughs> generally I'd look back and the after me would go, what'd you do that for? Like now you have to like, that's weird. So I started like trying to notice when I was doing things I didn't like. So for example, my mother has 27 first cousins. So I have like 250 second cousins. So we all like to get together and we get together around food and we get together around wine and like I raise adults with like kids and stuff. And they, it gets out of hand, not like, you know, bad things happen, but just everybody starts drinking and then somebody tells a joke or I make a comment. And I'm like, oh, that's not nice to say about my cousin, Amy. So I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to stop drinking alcohol when I'm also eating. Right. And it's just like a random thing. And now, now I kind of fake it. They like, you have to have a glass of wine. You have to hold wine. Right. (laughs) But they don't really notice if you only like sipped your way through half of the first one. And then I found that I was enjoying the evenings more and I was having just as much fun as if I had been drinking. So like little things like that, where find something in your life that you want to change. Maybe it's, you feel foggy headed and then figure out how to put a wedge in that. You might have to do your research, but find one thing. And for me, the first thing was, oh, I need to be able to build habits. Like how do you, just how do you build habits? And I found a wonderful article about how Ben Franklin did it and like started keeping little notebooks of weight and like how, what time I was going to bed. So I could like, I need to get more sleep. I started like working on that. I just started picking at these little threads Mm -hmm. one by one by one. And I I still think I'm a deeply flawed human being, but there are a lot of things that I've moving in the right direction. I think so. Yeah. You're being aware. There's a, let's turn this into a whole show of references. There's a blogger named Leah Babota. B-A-B-A-U-T-A. Leo writes a bunch of Zen stuff, but applied with, it's not really like, it's like Zen-ish. So it's called zenhabits.net, I think it is. Cool. And Leo wrote an article called the, I think it's called the downward spiral. And he's talking about like, if everything you're doing is just slowly leading. And I had this picture of like a vulture, just like <laughs> this long <laughs> glide. And I didn't realize it at the time because I found the article later, but I had made little changes like work on my self-awareness, work on my self-perception, work on my self-assessment. And then the things that bother you, it's easy to fix things that bother yeah. you. But yeah. it's impossible to fix things you can't even see. So I, I started right. even earlier than trying to keep a journal. I was just like, I don't like that version of me. So I need to spot that when that version, when you know, when Jekyll Hyde, whatever it is, coming out of the box. Yeah, like, it's hard to pull stuff out of your shadow sometimes yeah. that you can't can't see, and it takes sometimes methods and systems to to do so. Yeah, I like what you said about the social pressure also to that keeps people in yes. these things. Yes. I actually I've, I've done the same thing as you, <laughs> but here's my here's how I'm I get so- around it. Here's the thing I get around it. I I just order water on ice uh-huh. with a lime in it. And it <laughs> looks like, like te- a tequila. Or something. tequila. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's good. Because it's so funny how people, and I get it. It's almost like they want you on the same vibe. And if someone's not on that vibe, they feel self-conscious and so it's like a group cohesion thing. Yeah. But there's, there's as long as you look like you're drinking, people are just having fun. Yeah, you're in. Yeah. yeah. People. Yeah. But now I just gave my secret. So anyone who's heard this, <laughs> they're on to me. <laughs> One person listening. So um, how do you feel? What do you think your audience wants to know about things that are maybe more intertwined with crossover with parkour? Like whether it's 
about Apex or Parkour EDU or falling <laughs> Ukimi. I have no idea what the audience wants. There's an audience. <laughs> <laughs> you just you fooled I me. Just, You're like, I just I want record. to talk to you with headphones on. Yes, I this is a nice way to talk. Oh, I didn't press record. No. <laughs> <laughs> I did that once on the very first oh, episode. No. Ever. Well, see when you like when I'm going to air quote when you learn to podcast, which I never did. Yeah. When you learn, like everybody says, you'll forget to press record. I'm like, no, I'm like, I'm detail oriented, and I talked for 13 minutes to someone before I went. Oh, you know, I, and I said to him, I said, when I told you that I wanted to use you as the first guest and I said I was going to screw up <laughs> and he goes, yeah, I said, I screwed up. <laughs> I didn't press record. <laughs> so yeah, um, nice. we are actually recording. Okay. That's good. <laughs> um, I don't have any idea what the audience wants. I think, and I, what I, do you want? Uh, what do I want? Okay. I, I was going to actually say that, which fits the answer to that. What I want is I want the podcast, each individual episode, I want each episode to be successful. My definition of success is the following, that if whoever listens to the episode then feels more comfortable talking to either me or the, who watches with me, talk to the guest, then that's my definition of success. So if one person cool. listens, I'm not implying that all million people who can hear me should run to Amos's no plan ban and hitch a ride. <laughs> I'm not saying all dogpile on Amos, but if you have the chance <laughs> to talk it, to him fun. and when you walk up to him at like some event and then you say, hey... You were talking about blah, and I tried this, and then you suddenly, hey, look, common ground. So that's my definition of success yeah, for yeah. the podcast. So when before we were talking about who springs some mind when you say successful, and you said to me, I think you're successful, I was going to unpack that idea. Like, well, okay, I don't know if I'm successful because I have a very particular definition for these. Yeah, ways. I could talk about success even though I don't have a someone who pops out immediately. So what I was going to say is yeah. I have no idea what the audience is thinking, so uh -huh. I would be most interested, uh -huh. the way I do this, is I go, I don't know, what do you want to talk about? And then I point a microphone at people like this. <laughs> we have different mics we have separate mics but anyway I just let people talk about what they want to talk about we would be clever with a mic if this was one mic the whole time <laughs> especially that when would we be talk incredible. at the same time right? <laughs> no it's a traveling we, show we're cheek to cheek right now <laughs> <laughs> that's a good Frank Sinatra song how does that, how does that go it's, I'm not singing no I, I, I almost went there I'm not going I know there. that was close no alright so um, what do you, what else success. you were asking about six, well, success is one thing, but you were, you were about to say before I interrupted you crossovers and tie-ins to parkour. So food yeah. is clearly one. Absolutely. Um, what are you, uh, training methodology is something people, I, I don't get this, but people always want to talk about, I want to know how someone's so trained so they keep a journal. And, mm. I, and I'm like, I, I'm going to guess that you're not training like, like you have a schedule. Like I'm up from eight to 10, I'm doing this and next week I'm doing climb ups or. Well, my training has been very different recently because unfortunately the last three years I've been injured. That's also something not many I'm people know about me. That. Yeah, it's been, it's definitely been a rough ride, but like most things in my life, I'm very grateful for where I'm at. I mean, I have a working body. I'm so happy with what I have, but my training did change before that. I would just play a lot. But then if I ever had a project in mind, I was pretty methodical. I'd spend a lot of time like working certain lines. But I think, uh, so I had two dance injuries. One, I, I don't know if I can call one of them dance. It was kind of like goofing off. I was <laughs> trying to make this girl laugh. Um, <laughs> and uh, I fell one. in a weird way and got my foot caught on this wall. And I just fell in an odd way and it hurt my knee. And I ended up sustaining a, a year and a half injury from it. Nice. And uh, she didn't even laugh. I was going to say, I hope you learned a very important lesson there. But. Yeah, yeah. I'm not trying to make girls laugh anymore. That's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> but let's see, yeah, that lasted about a year and a half, which was definitely devastating. As most people who are listening, and I'm sure you guys have experienced as well, there's something about being limited, not being able to do parkour the way you want that is just such a heavy thing for parkour people. 
Like, uh, you know, this is how we express ourselves. This is how we, how we think. It's how, yeah, it's Some, even how we somebody, think. One podcast yeah. guest said, I used to have ideas and then try to act them out, make them become physical reality. He says, now I do things, I, I do physical reality and have ideas. I'm like, that's a brilliant way of putting it. I nice. think by moving. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's so intertwined with our lives and who we are as individuals. So even like identity issues came about because I'd never sustained an injury that long. In all my parkour experience, I have had one serious injury. And when I say that, it was spraining my foot. So 11 years of parkour, one sprained foot. And outside of that, you know, it's just been such a safe experience. I've had very little downtime, steady progression. And then when this happened, it was just it was heavy to deal with because the way that i wanted to move luckily i have some other passions like dance and martial arts that are kind of outlets for me that were saviors for sure but then i had about a week of being 100 <laughs> oh, percent. and no. i was like didn't you say there were two injuries <laughs> yeah it was a golden week i too bad i didn't film anything or get anything wrong. i was going i was going wild i was having a great time um, I was so happy to be back. I almost like felt like myself again. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that I re-injured the same spot. I actually, that my first one was in my left knee. My second one was from, I was just doing a lot of contemporary dance and hurt my right knee. And in, almost in the same way, it was kind of odd. It was just uh, something out here on the outside. Mm-hmm. The articular cartilage is what I found is what I injured. And uh, that took about a year and a half. I'm only now just coming out of that. And through after tons of physical therapy and research, I've tried lots of crazy stuff. I mean, I've even gone as far as like sticking myself with BPC 157, if, if you've ever heard of that. BPC by, by it, phenyl. It's a, it's a human or no HPC. Did I, is that what I said? I thought you said B as in boy, Oh, sorry. BBC. H- yeah. Body um, protection something. Mm. It's a substance from your gut. Um, a peptide that it's not FDA approved. I do not recommend it to anybody, <laughs> but I, I found out about it through some other podcasts and also a friend of mine who's very scientific and he had used it to heal his back. And so like this, this is just one example of how far I took it. You know, I saw multiple physical therapists, multiple doctors. I, you know, had an MRI. I, I took it pretty far and I went so far as like sticking myself with a needle with some substance that's not FDA approved to see if I could get back to hundred percent. That didn't work for me uh, because I actually ran an experiment on my climber's elbow first. Mm. And I'm not going to say, I'm not going to knock BPC 157. It just didn't work for my elbow. Um, and then during that time, I just so happened to be healing up from my knee and coming out of that. So I'm at a point where I'm I'm trying to contain the happiness and I want to push it, but I'm going to go very slow back into parkour, but I've missed it. Like I haven't been able to train the way I like to train for a long time now. One question that I have, uh, it's kind of like a question for myself, but I might as well ask you, you know, you can say uh, no comment. What is your self-talk like? So how do you walk the, like, see, cause I can't hide from myself. Myself knows all, myself knows what I'm thinking, right? Myself knows mm. what I did. You know, you said you were going to do this and you didn't do it. It's like your worst, it can be your best ally, but it's your worst nightmare because it yeah. knows everything. So I'm wondering for me, it's a huge problem. Like if anybody, if anybody said to me the things that I said to me, <laughs> like that wouldn't be good, but I'm wondering like, do you, is that a thing for anybody else other than me? And if it is a thing for you, how do you you know, like the morning where you're like, okay, what I should do today is all just recovery and go for a nice walk and have a good meal. But in the back of my head, I really, I really want to run. I'm going to go play because I haven't done that in a week and I feel like a slacker and I really should move more. Like, do you have those moments where the, I don't want to say self-doubt, but like moments where the, you're talking to yourself and then like, how do you, how do you rein that person back in and convince them that no, this is what we should be doing now? 
yeah, I I think I've gone through some major phases recently even that have given me a much better understanding of my own self-talk. And that is when I'm not in alignment with myself, when I'm not on my path, if I'm not doing the things that are the utmost importance of me in this life, I find that there's a disconnect. And so the self-talk becomes this dissonance and across multiple voices. And that's where maybe self-doubt would creep in. But when I am in a place where I'm in alignment my thoughts, my actions, my beliefs, and I know I'm on my path. I know I'm doing exactly what I need to be doing to live a life that I find value in. That's when the self-talk quiets and it's more so, it allows me to be more in the moment and just authentic and spontaneous. And that's, I wouldn't say one's better than the other. I like to have conversations with myself. And definitely like uh, when I'm in productivity mode, I might be like thinking and talking about certain things that need to get done. Explaining to yourself and looking for holes, right? But at the same time, I think, and this is part of the reason that I've done a lot of experimentation with meditation because I do want that quiet. I want to be able to listen closely. I want to be able to express myself fully and to be able to do that for me. I can't have a lot going on in there. And so, yeah, when I'm in more alignment, it's quieter. And it's nicer (laughs) because I've not too long ago, you know, I went through some rough patches that were mainly fueled by the injury. Apex has been through the ringer. This has been two of the hardest years of my life, hands down. Um, I've been through the fire and I've had some moments of weakness in those times where I definitely had shitty self-talk and uh, lots of self-doubt, you know, some dark times for sure. Yeah. I'm over here nodding. Like, not that I know what you're thinking. I'm thinking, yes, I agree. I do that too. I still yeah. do that. But yeah. totally a thing. And and that's uh, circling back to journaling. That what little bit of traction or a little bit of progress I've made on that, I think is due to journaling. Because sometimes I will force the inner critic to shut up and write it down. Like, here, you have the pen, you know, and, like, <laughs> and I'll write a rant to myself. You know, my handwriting goes to hell. And, it's, you know, yeah. and then I come back to that later and I'm like, whoa, that guy is not nice. And that gives me that perspective to like yeah. not pay it as much attention. Totally. I think a lot of people are scared to admit that the way consciousness functions is not a single voice. Uh, Almost consciousness is almost born out of a feedback loop. And the way the human brain works is often many of us have these different parts of ourselves. We don't like to talk about that because that sounds kind of like schizophrenic. So most people like keep that on the down low. But the fact is, I think acknowledging that and finding harmony among all yourselves is more powerful than just acting like, oh, I'm not crazy. Yeah, and definitely being able to circle back and know that like when that when this happens, I know that if I do this or eat this or like those kinds of things, Absolutely. then you don't feel like yep. out of control. Even if you just decide you're gonna ride, I always call it the black dog. If you're if you're being depressed and the black dog shows up, then there's you know, like, okay, it's a black dog. Well just like if I just if I try to make it go for a walk, it won't work, but I, I know it's not gonna be here forever. So like yeah. you, you get become comfortable with understanding how your how yourself is gonna work, how the process will play out. Yeah, actually, it's funny you brought that up, the journaling, because that's another way that I find that I'm able to quiet a lot of self-chatter. And that is if I'm very organized about my priorities and what my path is and what I know I need to be doing, then I can always self-check. Am I doing that? If I'm not, okay, get on that. It's when I kind of stray my path and I'm not like, for instance, one thing that I've been doing that's recently that's really powerful is every day I write down three things that if I can do those three things by the end of the day, I'm going to feel good about this day. And that being my kind of like North star for the day, 
I don't have so much chatter because I know when I'm working on it, this is what I want to do. I've already decided that Mm -hmm. this is top priority. But the days where I'm like letting myself get distracted, then I'll like hear the other voices like, well, what about this? Oh, don't forget to do this. And that's so I'm glad you brought that up, the journaling as well. Well, So you mentioned the three things like um, a lot of times people talk about uh, eat the frog, do the hardest, biggest thing or make sure it's scheduled kind of thing. Mm. So I have like crazies. I don't I don't do them when I'm traveling. I take little mini vacations. But when I'm at home, I start every day by creating what's effectively a sheet for the day. I'm like, I mark off what I'm supposed to do. And I discovered that. When you first start doing that, it's hugely useful because you're like, these are the things I want to get. I'm not, I'm not poo-pooing your idea, but yeah. I did that. Like this, get this, to get this. Mm-hmm. And I wind up basically coming up with a plan for the day. But I'll tell you what happens. If I finish everything, I'm like, oh, you slacker. You could have done more. And if I don't finish <laughs> everything, then it turns into this, like the goals are too high day after day yep. after day. It's like fail, 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 yeah, fail. Yeah, yeah. But I found that when I'm always looking forward, well, you never like... This, we're talking to parkour people. Nobody sets goals that are easy, right? So if you reach the goal, oh, duh, that was a waste. I should have. So we always you move the goal. So it's just not a reach. Mm-hmm. So every day I'm looking forward at a goal that I'm always short. Well, guess where this leads to? And just the simple idea of, and back to journaling, turn around and look at what you've accomplished. You're like, whoa, right, okay, right, yeah. that's that's pretty cool. You know what we're doing today? We're going to look at So yeah. I really like the idea of like writing down three, but I caution people, don't. And I'm yeah. saying you did it. Don't get sucked into the oh, goals, 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 goals. Yeah. It's a vicious. No, don't worry. I, I have layers of task management. Like I'll never finish. <laughs> that's the life of an entrepreneur mm. is that early on, people that are starting to get out into the parkour business and run businesses and whatnot, they have this idea that to, to-do lists can be done no, <laughs> and no, they, no, they're never ending. Yeah. So what I have is the three things are like attainable and I know are my path, but behind that I have actually layers of top priorities, you know, that are structured in yeah. various ways for the order that I would do them. And I even have like secondary priorities. I would never finish those lists. And I guess, yeah, that's well said. You don't want to like set a goal that you'll either go short on or over too much because it can actually affect you psychologically. So it's good to have like some other system in place so you're not, you know, you're still pushing yeah, yourself. The, the way I started, like the way I tell it to myself is I think of goals as a constellation. I don't mean like an astronomical, but just like a physical arrangement of things that are off in front of me in the woods and either they're pulling me or I'm drawn to them. I don't care what metaphor you use, but I'm heading for them mm. and I'm looking backwards at the path is what I'm doing. I'm never trying to reach the goals. I'm just going this way yeah. and I'm looking over my shoulder. So the progress is always, wow, look at all the progress. And then when I look back and go, why is the path going through the weeds? I move the goals over a little bit. So I never reach the goals. That's totally cool. That's not I love that. For. that. I'm trying it. I don't know if I'm having success. I love that because I, I can ad- identify with that so much. I used to do this thing where people would always ask me like, what are your goals? Like, what a, what's your direction in life? I would always just say, I don't have goals. I just have themes. <laughs> themes, right. And that used to be really powerful for me. But now after what I've been through (laughs) with the business Mm -hmm. that can't always function for me personally, like I, the only reason that I was able to come out of all this is because I was very organized with goals and specific things that had to happen on certain dates. And so I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle. I like that idea though. Having your goals, just the direction you're You're moving. Make sure you look back behind you if you're yeah. in the weeds, I mean, in the, just the goals. In the, entrepreneurial, in the entrepreneurial context, which I have also done, in that, <laughs> I'll go into detail, but in that context as well, you're totally right about like there's there's happy fun time and then there's like, as I'm, I'm notorious for saying like, okay, there's two modes, there's success and there's failure and what we are currently doing is failure. And then people go, well, no, there's the possibility of like, no, 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 the definition of success is and we like, you know, we like go through it like this, 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 you like this and like until everybody goes, yes, that's success. Okay, is that where we are? No, okay, then we're failing. 
And sometimes being able to say that, then people are like, wow, all right, yeah. And then I say things like, all right, if you all want to convince me that we are in the process of succeeding, then I want you to point to metrics, things, show me trends, guesses, hints, smoke signals that show me why you think this fact that says that we're failing is actually leading toward, and it, it can be painful for people who aren't used to that. But if yeah. they, if somebody comes in the room with that level of reality check, then it's like, all right. And then I can say things like, all right, well, you know, four, if you can get this number to be four, that's success. And then suddenly everything becomes really clear. So I, that's the way I look at it. I mean, I'm also, I'm certifiably insane. I have <laughs> too many ideas in my head. All right. So another, you know, don't talk about how the sausage gets made. We have been talking for about an hour and 25 minutes. There are two things that I love to do in the podcast. One of them is I love to say, I personally love to collect stories because I think mm -hmm. and this is patently obvious. If you hear someone tell a story, we've told a few already that gives you glimpses, not into how they tell stories and how passionate they are, but the types of stories that they choose to share in formats tells you a lot about a person. So I love collecting stories. So Amos, is there a story that you would like to share? That's one thing. I'll let you sit on it for a second while you think. And the other one is, I, I, I stretching his arm. I thought he was doing the gladiator thumb down on my idea. I'm like, no, Whoa, that's cold. Oh, this Big got old thumbs down to that idea. Okay. The other idea is I would love to end with my stock question, which is three words to describe your practice. So I'd love to end there. And I'd actually, well, I'll ask you that question. You can give me whatever you want and then we'll just stop because I hate when things don't have an end. So is there a story you'd like to share? And then yes, no is a valid answer. And then we'll do three words and then we'll press the stop button and let everybody who is still listening go on with their lives. So is there a story you would like to share? Give me, uh, I have so many stories. I've gotten a little out of control in my life. Like I said, I basically said no to crappy jobs, decided I wasn't going to let my soul be sapped. Mm. And I left the normal like society in my early 20s and hopped on a bicycle, lived on a bicycle, traveled all around the world and got myself into a lot of crazy stuff <laughs> so i don't know maybe um i mean already i'm like stories are coming to the surface just in that and then i'm thinking about aikido okay maybe i got some stories for you sure okay i'm thinking travel i'm thinking aikido okay so my first bicycle trip just before it let's see not just before it but before it i had this altercation in a park with some friends and uh this homeless guy was yelling at us we were just having a picnic and he was yelling something um, violent to us so they're like oh we should probably go so they start packing up stuff and we're walking away and then he st storms towards us and i had been doing aikido i think for a few years at this point and so i i didn't feel any fear i felt like i knew what i needed to do to protect my friends and so i just handed my phone to my friend and because i didn't want to break it and i actually had a <laughs> flip phone at the time which is pretty funny and i just stepped out in front of them and put my roots in the ground and locked eyes with them and something crazy happened he just stopped in his tracks almost like and you'll you'll understand this yes. like our sinners connected yes i don't even know how long that moment lasted he, we just locked eyes and it was a strange connection. And then the next thing I heard was my friend say, we should get out of here. And then we walked away and I was kind of like caught off guard by the experience, but, and I didn't think too much of it. And then, um, on that, that bicycle trip, uh, when I was riding from Denver to, we we're headed towards Costa Rica at the time, I had another experience that was almost just like it, but with a dog. And which also was just like very <laughs> stunning for me. Um, I, I remember I was calling my mom for the first time in a few weeks. I should be ashamed. She was probably so worried. <laughs> um, and 
as I was on the phone with her, this random, it looked like a, a wild dog, I think somewhere in Texas, came out from behind the dumpster. It was like a dark back alley of this restaurant we were at and just snarling teeth out and growling, walking towards me. And I don't know why I reacted like this. And I really do. I, I believe this is why martial arts is so powerful is that I've never been in a fight since I've started, but the confidence it can give you so that you can be the person you want to be in violent situations is just extremely powerful. So I really give it, I chalk it up to my martial arts training, but I I didn't feel any fear. I didn't even break the conversation with my mom on the phone. I just turned around, looked the dog dead in the eyes, and it walked away with its tail between its legs, kind of like whimpering. Mm. And again, I was just like, I I almost watched that happen. And then afterwards, I'm like, what was that? That's crazy. And then a third one, like these things just kept piling up. Uh, a third one was not too far out. Maybe a few months later, um, I was back in California riding my bicycle towards Denver. And one night I was just laying by the fire and I heard some rustling. And I looked over to my left and maybe 20 feet away, a mountain lion was walking through my camping area. And I got up real quick. And again, everything just froze up and we both locked eyes. And then I reached down to grab a rock just in case things got messy. And I think partially because I just showed zero fear and partially because I stepped forward to grab something, mountain lion ran away. And after these three experiences that had lined up where I was just like, what is going on here? This is so strange. This whole like connection through the eyes. And I feel like I'm almost taking their balance I'm connecting with their center. And um, not too soon after that, I went to an Aikido retreat in the mountains. Have you ever been to Aikido in the Rockies? I think it's called. No. The man who brought Aikido to the U.S. from Japan, um, Ikeda Sensei Sensei, was leading one of the sections. And the entire thing he led the section on was taking the balance through the eyes and connecting before you even have a physical contact and i remember some of the other students were like oh, this is such so, lame mystical yes, stuff like yes why are we doing this <laughs> and you haven't experienced it <laughs> and for me it was just like uh, so, so insane to hear that this was you know this is a, such a common experience i'd have it's just like the synchronicity of all these things aligning mm-hmm. and i remember uh, walking away from that just uh feeling like vindicated and also like feeling like i understand something deeper about reality and being a human being and martial arts so yeah that's my bringing together of aikido traveling like some of the stuff we talked about yeah thanks for sharing yeah and of course the final question three words to describe your practice Uh, i would say for me the experiences that just stick so far beyond the rest of my experience with parkour are those days where there's no pressure to go work on some project you're not trying to film anything you're not trying to teach some group. It's just going out with your friends. It's a beautiful day. Maybe the sun's going down. There's a nice breeze and you're laughing and just trying things that you've never done before. And it gives you a sense of empowerment and leveling up. But at the same time, you're being goofy about it and there's just no pressure. And it's just pure enjoyment of moving one's body and challenging one's mind. And so I think out of my wide-ranging experience of parkour, if I said three words that would be capture my ideal of parkour experience, it'd be passion, love, and laughter. Thank you very much, Amos. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, man. It's been a pleasure. 
This was episode 48. For more information, go to moversmindset.com slash 48. And there's more to the Movers Mindset project than just this podcast. Visit our website for more free content, to sign up for our newsletter, or to join the Movers Mindset community. Thanks for listening.